Welcome to another episode of the Get Your Edge podcast. I'm your host, Brian Bott from Sports Advantage. Here with my co-host, Coach Dean Manchi from Kimberly. We are getting into the, the fall sports here, Coach. We got pro football starting. We got all kinds of good. We got college volleyball going on. We got a lot of good stuff going on. It's September, the leaves are changing. There's a lot of excitement going on, dog. How are we doing over there in the Fox Valley? What's it What's it like over there in the Fox Valley? Is the, oh, it's you know what's right. I on? love the fall. I love the fall. You know this time of the year and school's back in session, and athletes are getting out there competing. And we're running just at our Sunday fall session, and and the most kids ever in in a fall or a September and October session. And you just got some incredible kids that really are creating some distance again with their competition here and working in the off season. And I love that. And they're firing it. They're out firing yes, it. They are. Absolutely. It's fantastic. Well, I tell you what, dog, um, you know, we probably should touch on a little unfortunate situation that happened Monday night, right? Uh, with Aaron Rodgers. And um, you never want to see a guy go down. And um, you know, the thing that that you get, and it's just it's unfortunate to see, right? I mean, I know, you know, people listening, you're probably split half and half on whether you like the guy or don't like the guy. But at the end of the day, the NFL is better when Aaron Rodgers is playing. Same, same when Tom Brady would, you know, got hurt. You know, you want your best players playing all the time, and it's unfortunate. So hopefully, um, he's able to come back, recover, you know, get a couple more seasons in. Huge shout out to Rob Havenstein and the Rams with a big win in Seattle. Uh, shout out to Alec Ingle, the Dolphins, a huge win in uh, San Diego or LA. I guess they're in LA now. Um, but yeah, great weekend of, of pro football and some college football. Dog Texas getting it done in Alabama, a um, couple other upsets and and things like that. What this weekend that you got to see, you know, was something that you were excited to see or kind of surprised you? Well, I was a little bit surprised. I just was, you know, I thought that Badgers were going to play a little bit better. Yep. So I was a little disappointed in that game. And, and then, you know, Colorado just seems to amaze me. Coach you know, I just, Prime. I, I love the energy yeah. that Prime Time brings. And that's one thing that, I really think as a coach, you got to be able to bring that energy. It definitely um, it spreads to the athletes, and they got a lot of excitement. That town is buzzing. You know, their the tickets are going. They got everybody coming there. Game days coming there, and all that. And it's just it's fun to watch. You know, when you watch that kind of stuff, and you see, you know, everybody just going crazy from a huge turnaround so quick. It's just unbelievable to see. And let's don't forget that volleyball game, you know, just volleyball season with that Nebraska showing 90,003 in that Nebraska football stadium watching volleyball is just unbelievable to see. Just great athletes, awesome for the state of Nebraska. And then what an opportunity for Nebraska-Omaha to play at that that stage as well. So very how about uh, How about our girl Maggie Cartwright? Stepping up, playing great games against Wisconsin from Arkansas and, and and things like that. And, you know, the thing you talked about with with Coach Prime, Dino, is, you know, bringing energy. But he he's who he is, right? We see that like, coaches take note on this, right? He's who he is. Like like most of you guys listen out there, you you ain't him. You know, be who you are. Bring the energy with, with who you are. And that's why I think he resonates with his players because he doesn't he, – he's not putting on a show. He's who he is. And I think – you know, we watched that, uh, you know, you and I shared that clip about NIL and things like that. And I love that message that he sent. Hey, you got to earn it. You know, let's not give kids, a you know, a, a head start before they even step on the field here. And I think the, you know, the best part about that is he was a guy that, 
would have definitely been an NIL guy, 100%. I mean, between the energy, but he had the game to back it up. And I think, you know, let's get to the kids, making sure they're performing on the field, things like that. Dog, we got a Q&A today. Q&A. We got some really good questions here. We appreciate, you know, our coaches that have been sending messages in, uh, both through our, our Coaches Edge Consulting uh, program that we run with the high schools, as well as, you know, to you, to the Fox Valley Throws Club, to our Sports Advantage um, get your edge podcast, Instagram, please follow all those subscribe to the podcast. Uh, just like we do all the time. Hey, we, you know, share the show, share them with your athletes, share them with your coaching friends, things like that. A lot of great messages. All these coaches are coming from, or all these questions, excuse me, coming from coaches in the state of Wisconsin. So guaranteed that there are some of you out there probably thinking the same way, um, wanting these questions answered. So shoot us questions. We'll get them on the show and go from there. First question, Dino, is a conjugate question, all right? If your facilities don't have bands or chains, what percent do you use of bar weight on a dynamic day with no bands or no chains? Now, I know that, you know, uh, there's a lot of different ways to probably attack this. Dean, maybe you could share with everybody how you guys are attacking it, because I know you're kind of just starting it with some of your kids, getting them used to the dynamic effort method and how what you guys are doing, and I'll kind of talk you know, kind of from a longevity standpoint on this? Well, obviously, Brian, you know, the athletes that have some experience and that have already done it, we are definitely, you know, using the bands as far as our dynamic day. But when those individuals are not used to moving that bar with maximal intent, then we are not using the band. So it's truly bar weight. So I like to really start kids around 60%. Okay. And really get them to understand because, you know, when the brain notices that the weight is lighter, it just doesn't want the athlete just does not want to go hundred percent. And that's something we got to, you got to constantly coach up. I think in the dynamic effort is you are touching and you're going. Now, if you got, you know, some kind of device that's going to track bar speed, that's huge. If you have that, most high schools don't have it. So if, if you're using a Tendo unit and you're getting that per meters per second, I'll let you talk about that more, what you're kind of looking for as far as that. But, you know, we have a couple of those and we're moving that bar as fast as we can. And therefore, now we take the guesswork out of it. So we're going to look for a specific meters per second. On the, on the bar, we're looking at 60% and we're constantly just starting out and we're moving that thing as fast as we can. And with the eye test, coaches at 60 percent if that's too much we just we just take some load off because it's all about moving that bar fast but if they're given 100 percent we're looking at that bar speed if they can hit it we like to go up in waves you know 60 percent one week maybe we'll do it the second week too just to get them accustomed to it and then we'll start bumping that up by five percent brian well and i think you know you're talking about a little bit from a kind of a starting perspective you know, as you're learning how to use the conjugate method, uh, once you get kids that can move the bar, you know, and you start using, you know, the research and the science and and the math, you know, that Louis provided and and some of the ones that have come before us provided, right? The ideal percentages that you want to use on dynamic effort, they are 50 to 60% with roughly 20 to 25% of accommodating resistance. So when you look at it from straight bar weight, you just, you know, add the weight, Right. So now you're talking about roughly about 70% to 85%. Now, the the difference there, right? We we know with accommodating resistance, like on a bench press, when the bar touches the chest, 
the majority of the bands or chains are deloaded. So now you just have the straight bar weight. So now from the chest, okay, instead of punching 50 to 60%, because you have, you know, accommodating, now you're punching somewhere in that 70%. So again, it's a little, little harder to punch it off the chest or get the bar moving, you know, from the box. So you probably want to be a little more conservative when you're starting, if you don't have bands or chains, um, but we kind of hit in that, you know, probably 65, 70% when we start. And usually the kids can rip that if the kids that have been doing it before. The other thing, guys, is this is, you know, bands are pretty cheap. You know what I mean? You can get them on Amazon. You can get really good. You can get them at Westside. You know, you can get them at Dynamic Fitness. Um, you know, a lot of different places to get quality bands. Um, you know, most of you have a, you know, budget. Sometimes it's a little smaller. Sometimes it's a little larger, you know, like, you know, you guys over there in Darboy. Um, but I think, you know, one of those things that you should, if you're going to use the conjugate method, we've talked about this before, Dean, you know, there's two, you know, two or three things that you got to invest in. One is bands, next is boxes, the other is reverse hypers. And you can probably make that purchase for your weight room for probably about five to six K. You know what I mean? So really think about investing in that. But if you don't have them, you know, those are the percentage percentages. And like Dean said, the speed of the bar is the most important thing, right? If you have a tendo, we're looking somewhere on a, on a speed day around 0.8 meters per second. Okay. Now there are other people that say, if you go at 0.6 meters per second and go a little heavier, now you're changing. Cause that's a math equation, right? It's weight times speed equals power production. So again, you also have to look at how this equation um, is affected based on the speed of the bar as well as the weight on the bar. But for most intensive, that's then that's pretty high level thinking, right? That's that's a little that's you know that's kind of like past the level of conjugate that most people are doing. Um, traditional conjugate, 0.8 meters per second. Move that thing as fast as you can. Uh, if you don't have bands, you know, find the weight percentage you want to use, but wave it, right? Like you said, you want to start at a certain percent and then wave it. Um, and then continue continually on those dynamic days, change the grips of the, you know, the bench change, you know, close grip, wide grip, fat grip, you know, change it, change the reps, doubles, triples, fives, um, you know, change the bar, fat bar, you know, regular bar, um, all those different things to keep rotating through. So the kids don't accommodate to what you're doing. Same thing with the lower body, right? You know, box squat, you know, go wide stance, you can go narrow stance, you can go deadlifts. There's a lot of different things that accommodate with it. Um, but again, the main thing is that the bar is moving fast. Um, question two, we're going to roll right through this here tonight, Dino. Do you allow phones in the weight room during training? No. Question three. <laughs> um, Dean, go ahead with that. I mean, we don't allow phones, but I can, I can speak to probably where the question's coming from. Well, you know, we're just like you, Brian. I mean, for example, most athletes have their phone with them all the time. And we know it's a huge distraction. We also know it's a very addictive device. So when we're um, athletes are in our setting, there's no phones allowed. Right. And I know some people like to use some kind of programs, you know, that the program is on the phone or the iPad, but I'm old school. I don't want any distractions. I want kids focus. I want their 100% effort. I want to keep kids safe. I think when there's another distraction, such as a phone, the number one thing, the responsibilities of our spotters or our coaches in here is to make sure our athletes are safe. And right. when somebody's looking, if there's a phone near 
and a ding goes off or a message, they're going to look at it. It's just, I, I do, you do. I mean, that's just what we do with phones. So no phones. And, you know, we are getting after it. We as coaches will take a phone out just to videotape and give that athlete a visual of their technique if we're working on something. If they're just not getting it through kinesthetic awareness or verbal instructions, they're a visual learner, then we're going to get the phone out, quickly take their a video of their exercise, and then tell them what they need to improve in so they can see it, they can make that adjustment. Because so many kids are visual learners, Brian. So we know the phone can be a great thing as far as that goes, but no phones. Yep. And I think for us too, Dean, you know, the nice thing about some of those apps, right, that you can make the argument, well, they have the video, you know, associated with it. But if they're in your weight room, why aren't you coaching them? You know what I mean? That's your job. If they're in the weight room, you coach them on technique. They, they shouldn't have to look at their phone for, for a video display. Now, shameless plug here for our consulting, um, you know, what we've done for the Coaches Edge Consulting for Sports Advantage is we've created a platform for our coaches so they can have the video component so they can see what the exercise looks like so they understand how to coach it. So it eliminates the athletes need to look at a video because when you're in the weight room, you're, you're a coach. We've talked about that Dean many times. Okay. You, you may not be the strength coach. You may be the head basketball coach, but if you're in the weight room, you know, you're the, the minimum that you're doing is encouraging the kids to push them. Right. So you're involved. You're, you're not a bystander. You're not drawing plays on the blackboard. You're not, you know, catching up on Twitter or anything like that. Our coaches edge platform has all the video components that some of these other apps have. The other argument that I hear Dean is it tracks the data. Look at the end of the day, you should be tracking your own kids data. You know what I mean? That you should be involved in that process. That way the kids understand that it's important. So at the end of the day, like the kids should not be on their phone. I love your your thought process that it's a distraction. It's a huge distraction. Like, because who who are we going to believe that the kid is just looking at his, his workout when he's on his phone? He's not. He's shooting a picture of himself. He's shooting a snap of, uh, Snapchat of himself. He's doing this and he's doing that. He's, you know, looking at his shoes. He's taking pictures of this. He's taking pictures of his buddies, you know, maybe making jokes about it. All that stuff is a distraction. You got to eliminate distraction when these kids are in the weight room. They're not. Look, 99.9% .9 of the kids that train in high school weight rooms aren't good enough, okay, technique-wise, to not solely be focused on training. If they're focused on something else, um, you know, like taking a picture of themselves, even if they have to scroll through to look through their workout. You know, I, I, I know schools that we work with, they have, you know, an app, which we put the workout in, but then they put it up on the board, like on the TV, like you guys got they don't let their kids have phones on there, but the app, if you're going to use that, serves as a way to kind of broadcast the workout. But, you know, phones in the weight room, I don't know, Dean, I don't know when that started, but that's just, right? I mean, I, I, I can't even fathom allowing your kids to have phones in the weight room, right? Absolutely. So, okay, last question here. And this is this is actually a really good question. Um, and it kind of hits on something that I think both of us feel pretty strongly on and can share you know, our experience on when your kids are in season, how do you feel about them going to another training facility slash open gym facility to train when our program already has a strength and conditioning program built in? 
So essentially, Dean, what they're asking is, you know, they're in season. They have a program set up for their kids in season, but some of their kids are going outside um, to either, sounds like either to a performance gym, like a sports advantage, okay, or, you know, like a YMCA, something where they're lifting on their own. You want to hit that first? Well, first of all, there's a big difference between lifting on their own, whether it's at home or a YMCA or a fitness club that's not, doesn't have a, a strength and conditioning professional, or there's a big difference if you're going to a sports advantage or a place where coaches are trained and certified to be able to help that athlete out. And I know that's what you guys do an incredible job at sports advantage with your consulting and with the schools that you work with is you're communicating with those coaches and making sure that the athlete is getting the best system or best um, action plan to best suit them. And I think, you know, it's a situation where athletes in season, you know, we're in this more, 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 more type of mode, but there's only so much energy in the tank and you have to be very careful. Hopefully your school or, you know, your sport team is lifting twice a week, minimum, maybe maybe three times, whatever the case is. And they are taking the in-season lift as serious as the sport practice. So that's my, that's my biggest concern is, are the athletes not getting cheated? Is it, a, is it a structured program? Is it supervised? Are people helping each other out? Are you just not going through the motions? Because that's going to cheat the athlete. Again, if they're a multi-sport athlete, and as far as long-term athletic development, that could make a big difference. So I see a case with athletes sometimes want more, Brian. You have very, yeah. you know, very motivated, intrinsically motivated athletes, and they're looking for that edge. And they think they got to get more. The question, The question on that, Brian, is – a lot of times what they need is something that they don't want to do. For example, a kid might be strong enough. However, they're not mobile enough. They need to work on flexibility, mobility. Maybe it's a recovery modality. I always tell kids, if you're very energetic, you want to do more and more, are you taking care of the basics? What do I mean by that? Are you getting eight hours of sleep a day? Are you eating breakfast every day? Are you getting post-workout nutrition? Are you hydrating all the time? All of these things, I think, are, are so huge. And when we say, yeah, you can do more, I think you got to earn the right to do more. First, right. you got to make sure you do your in-season hard and you take it serious, which I think a lot of athletes don't because right. they're so concerned with the sports practice. But if you do, then in a case – for example, in a school setting, is you would want to communicate. I would want to communicate with Sports Advantage and say, hey, we have an athlete. He wants to get more. This is a situation. I certainly don't want him going down in his basement, unsupervised, doing stuff, possibly getting hurt, injury. Risk like that is huge, number one, because the last thing an athlete wants to do is get hurt in season in the weight room. That would be yeah. awful. And two, then you have to work with that person whoever they're going to and then come up with a plan what's going to be best for the athlete and then i think it's awesome for those athletes to take advantage of those situations no doubt well i think you hit on a good point dean it's like 
you got to keep the main, you know, we've talked, we've talked about the main thing, the main thing, you got to keep the main thing, the main thing in season. The first priority is practice and games 100%, you know, and we talk about being a good teammate. That should be your first priority. So if you can't turn it loose at practice every day, 100%, and then you're going out and doing all these extra workouts, um, you're selfish. Point blank, you're, you're selfish. Um, you know, I think the other thing that that we – I think we do a really good job with with some of our kids that are in season that come to us. We have a complete understanding of what they're doing at practice. If they are lifting with their teams, what are some of the, you know, the, the gaps – you know, that maybe you got to fill in um, because if, if you're in the sports performance industry in the private sector and you're, you know, telling kids they should be lifting with you versus with their team when their team has a program, um, you're doing the kid a disservice. And I, I think that that can be ultra detrimental. You know, I think the area that this really can get bad for the kids is when they're out doing this stuff on their own, like 100%. They're going, you know, you got four or five, of, and it's typically the guys, you know, four or five guys going every day and they're maxing out and they're lifting as heavy as they can. And they're, you know, they're doing burnout sets, which we know taxes the central nervous system. But as a 16-year-old, you don't know that, right? You don't have the educational background. So coaches, you know, you need to have that educational background to share with them. Hey, this is what you're doing to your body. We just practiced for two and a half hours. We squatted this morning and now at eight o'clock at night in your basement or at the local, you know, whatever gym. And now you're squatting again. You know, and we got to play a game on a Friday or play a game on a Tuesday. Um, you know, I just really think that you got to be careful as an athlete because, you know, a lot of our athletes love the weight room, Dean, right? I mean, let's, you know, let's be realistic. These kids nowadays, some of them just love lifting and that's great. You know what I mean? That's great. Like if you'd love to lift, go talk to your coach, go talk to your coach. Hey coach, you know, I know we're only lifting twice a week. I'd like to get something else. You know, could I get something more in that way? You That way everybody's on the same page. That way your coach can say, Hey, you know what? Here's some extra stuff that, that you can do. Maybe you're a backup right? Maybe you're a backup. Hey, you know, I know that we're, we're doing twice a week with the varsity. I'd like to get one or two more lifts in that way. You know, if a guy goes down, I'm, I'm at, I am my best, right? If you put it in that perspective, athletes with a coach, who's going to say no to that? Who's going to say, no, I don't, I don't want you doing more. I don't want you getting better. You know, we, we, we want you just to do what everybody else is doing. Um, you know, I think the nice thing with us, with our schools that we work with from a consulting standpoint, we have a firm understanding of what these kids need because we understand the practices. We understand physiologically what they need. We understand what they did in the summer or in the fall. And so we can develop the programs that are needed with that. But I mean, Dean, like let's, let's role play a little bit here, right? You got a Kimberly paper maker, you know, you got sports advantage, you know, as in, in the, you know, Appleton area. Um, and you got a kid that that wants to do a little bit more. Maybe he's done some work with us before. What do you think the best way for you and I to handle that would be for this kid? Because we want what's best for the kid. Oh, we're going to communicate. That's, that's yeah. You know, we're going to communicate and come up with a plan that's best going to suit that athlete. And like you said, hey, if the motivated person that really wants to get after it, I think that's awesome. Right. I think most kids at that age don't know obviously what the strength conditioning professionals know so we can help them get to what their goals are 
And right. I think it's very important. Like you said, you do too much. Now, you know, you're susceptible to injury. So it's an education piece and knowing, hey, we got the athletes back and that we're all going to work together. And then great things are going to happen. There's no doubt. Because one thing too, Brian, it's good for athletes to hear it from, from someone else. And, you know, they might have to have those conversations that, hey, you're really weak in this area. You need to bring this area up. However, you're really strong in this area, and that's great. And we're going to continue to be strong in that area. However, we're going to put a little bit more emphasis here. Why? Because it's going to make you a better athlete. And as far as practices go, I have not seen many kids that go hard all the time in practice. So that would be the thing I would say as a sports coach, you got an athlete that wants to do extra. First, I would have that talk with that athlete to say, are you given everything in practice? Are you a great teammate? Are you a great leader? Are you giving good effort? And if you're doing all of them, you're taking care of your body. For sure. You can do extra. There's no doubt. We don't want to put the governor on you. You just keep going because, Hey, the people that work the hardest and work the smartest are going to have a huge competitive advantage. Well, and this is this is kind of a uh, away from the weight room, but all these quote unquote speed gurus, like if you're doing excess speed work in a, in a private facility, um, you're really playing with fire. Like if you're working on top end speed max, because you have no clue what the kids have done for practice. You have no clue how many reps they took at practice. You have no clue how physical practice was because what you're going to do, the kid's going to walk in because if he's there for extra speed work, he likes to run, right? He's not showing up for extra speed work just to show up, right? These kids, you know, enjoy the, the, the sprint process, the, the, all that stuff. How do you feel? Feel great, right? That's what you're going to hear. So then you're going to sprint them. With, with no idea on this, on on what he's had for stress during the day, on what he had for practice, any of that other stuff, okay? And if you, if, if a kid gets hurt in that scenario by doing something that really has no, you know, in my opinion, no validity during the season, like we do not sprint our kids during the season as far as like absolute flying tens, things like that. Do we do some acceleration work? Yes, we do for the kids, right? Working on just patterning. Okay. But we do not do any top end speed work for risk reward. It's a complete risk reward on that. At the end of the day, like, what are you trying to accomplish by getting their flying 10 down, you know, 0 0.01, you know, one, you know, during their competitive season makes no sense. And I see there's a lot of this going on Dean right now, you know? And so, a lot of times it's because you get the the guys, you know, they got some egos and they want to show that they can get kids faster and do this. And they want to prove it because the high school strength coach doesn't know what he's talking about. They're not sprinting the kids in that. Well, yeah, maybe they're practicing for two and a half hours. Maybe you had a basketball practice, you know, where the, you know, the kids ran and this, that, you know. So if you're a, one of those guys, <laughs> I would seriously consider how you're handling your kids in season. Um, you know, but I think there's, there's ways to do it from a strength aspect. There's a ways to do it. We're communicating with coaches. And I think we just have to get to a place where, in my opinion, high school coaches, you know, can trust a performance individual 
performance individual can trust the high school coach. But when you're talking about kind of freelance renegade stuff, I think that stuff has to go away. That's my, that's my opinion. You know what I mean? So anything else, dog? No, them are three great questions. Yeah. Appreciate it. You know, having those questions come in, we really enjoy this. And that's what's the fun part about strength conditioning. It's always evolving and, and just being on top of it. It's just uh, super exciting to see kids get a lot stronger and obviously decrease their chance of injury, Brian. What about Jordan Love, dog? He played pretty well. Love it. I love Good. it. Yes. One, of the cool, one of the cool things is, you know, as you're watching the game, you know, he missed some throws, definitely. But on third down, man, he was money, and that's all it counts, right? Can you keep the chains moving? Things like that. So a lot of excitement going on in Packerland, I think, right now. Anything else Fox Valley throws, Dino? Yeah, we just, our next session is on Sunday. So we're every Sunday. So you can check out uh, the Instagram. Um, we have Instagram. We got Twitter. We actually got a Facebook we just started. So athletes can check that out. Love to have you there. Anybody from beginners to advanced. We've got a college athlete there right now. Everything's going great. It's an awesome time to throw. Um, just super excited. We got an incredible group. How about sports advantage, Brian? Well, we're up and rolling. We got, you know, the five facilities are going for the, for the fall. Um, got a lot of good things coming here in the winter, as you already know, Dean, um, looking to open a couple more facilities here in the state before the year ends. Um, the consulting is really going well. We're really excited about the direction that this is going in the state of Wisconsin. Our coaches have been unbelievable. Can't thank, you know, our schools enough for the questions, for the constantly wanting to learn, for, um, you know, looking for adaptations here, looking for a change here. Um, it's been absolutely awesome. The kids are getting the benefit of it. You know, a lot of our teams um, from a lot of the schools we're working with are having a lot of success because they worked hard in the summer or they've worked hard over the course of the year. And, you know, with, you know, building a culture and things like that, it takes time, you know, and that's one of the cool things that, our coaches with the the schools we consult with, they understand, hey, this is a long-term thing that we're that we're building right now. You know, we're building a long-term culture for all of our athletes, not just our football kids, um, all of our athletes, and that's going exceptional. So I'm I'm overly excited that 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 we started it. I got obviously my my wingman, Robert Murdoch, is doing a hell of a job um getting out pro tips, getting out a lot of information, things like that. So things are going really well there. We will be on with a, a speed guru next week. Okay. We've got a great guy um, out of Illinois that we chat, that we're going to chat with great in-depth speed conversations. A lot of great ideas um, come from this guy and uh, really looking forward to chatting with him. That's going to wrap it up for this edition of the get your edge podcast. We will see you next time. Chop it. Chop it.